All right, welcome back to another episode of the Cody Tucker Show. As always, I'm your host, Cody Tucker. Be sure to like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, so, <laughs> I uh, get, get a little thing, something off my chest real quick. So, I have, for some reason, been craving this uh, restaurant right here, Denny's. For some reason, I've been craving Denny's for like the past... I don't know, like month. It got brought up to me and I was like, man, I haven't had Denny's in a long time. So like immediately thought, okay, you know what? Like this was about two days ago. It's like, all right, waking up to waking up, going to go get Denny's. It's going to be awesome. Haven't had it in forever. Used to be a uh, prime choice for, uh, (laughs) you know, two in the morning hammered out of my mind and say yeah i'm gonna go get me uh go get my ass a grand slam but yeah haven't had it since then and i'm starting to realize that (laughs) so i end up realizing that the only reason that i liked denny so much is because i was way too hammered to know what exactly was going on in this place so this is the denny's in my in my small town and, um, okay, so, oh my God, look, and I, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, this is, so, if I seem slightly erratic, it is because I am about 99% sure that I was fed a plate of botulism and chlamydia. <laughs> I... I mean, I I got something very simple. Eggs, sausage links, hash browns, and uh, pancakes. Pancakes were okay. The eggs, I have never eaten eggs that were so undercooked and overcooked at the exact same time. The sausage link, the sausage somehow tasted like fruit punch. Um, And the hash browns basically had the texture of, like, Timbaland shoelaces like old basically like old stale shoelaces which I'm pretty sure that if you heat up a potato let it cool down and then eat it uh, you can get super sick so I'm <laughs> I am fighting that right now so that's the that's the food which was I mean questionable is not the word for for the I mean it you had to. I should have taken a picture of this. I should have done a lot of things, and I didn't do any of them. But I definitely should have taken a picture because the, oh my god, so food there it is. Just a plate of bacteria and disease. I don't know. Look, I, apparently there is a work shortage, and it is hard to find people who will work jobs. Understandable, but. <laughs> Come on. Like, there has to be a little... And I, I know Denny's isn't like goddamn Goldman Sachs, but there's got to be a <laughs> a little bit of a standard. So my waiter... Oh, my God. This dude. My waiter was basically just zonked out of his mind. My waiter was uh, Randall McMurphy post-op. <laughs> basically drooling uh like there's basically a you know basically a niagara falls of spittle going down his lip that was getting dangerously close to my hash browns uh, clearly i mean this dude was probably 30% fentanyl if th- if this dude did a 23 and me <laughs> he would be you know I mean, he was white, so he'd be like 90, let's say 98% white, 2% fentanyl. This, I mean, I have never, also not wearing a uniform, which is, I mean, out of all the things, should be like the least worrying, but is somehow the most worrying. Like, also, and then this happened. So, this is when I really should have... At this point, I, sh- I should have left. And, and so whatever happens to me in the, over the next few days is kind of my fault. Because I did choose to eat this after this happened. 
Um, so he brought the food. And this may seem like a little thing. I don't think it's a little thing. He brought the food holding the plates like this uh, with his thumbs in the food. <laughs> and surprisingly, uh, you know, I mean, this, this is going to come to a shock. Uh, yeah, fuck. This is going to come as a shock to most people. Uh, not the cleanest thumbnails I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, this dude basically had gangrene on his thumbs, and they were fucking knee-deep. I mean, he was like knuckle-deep into my scrambled eggs with these thumbs, and I still ate it. I, oh, man, I am done for. There's no, I mean, I have put my body through some tests of endurance. Now, not physically, <laughs> obviously, um, but just eating very questionable things, making decisions overall that are very questionable um i should have as soon as that happened pushed my food to the center of the table and carried my black ass out of there oh my god i've never so so then all that happens methed out waiter fingers in my food still ate it can't believe i still ate it in my head i'm like why would i do this come home and i'm like surprisingly not feeling bad like i actually feel fine but in my head i'm thinking like i have to be just riddled with disease right now so i just puked up everything that i ate which i'll be honest felt amazing eating and then throwing up feels incredible i mean you know, you feel like fucking an Olsen twin, but it feels incredible because it's like, like I get how people are have bulimia. <laughs> like you get to eat whatever you want and then never lo- gain weight. So, it might be a thing that I start doing. You know, just as a um, a diet enhancer. But overall, I mean, it was just without a doubt like the most disgusting. I mean, I can't believe. Like, as a kid, I always remembered Denny's being, like, kind of good. I mean, now, it was never, you know, <laughs> a Michelin star restaurant. But, you know, it was edible. This was this was not that. This was not edible. This was fucking just a plate of God. Ugh. Yeah, so I am not feeling... Um, great right now and you know i'm sure that what happened is denny's was short on staff and said you know what we're just going to go down to the damn (laughs) homeless shelter and ask anybody if they want to make you know 40 bucks today come work a double (laughs) i mean as long as you can stand up then you know you're hired for the day i'm almost positive because there was a few people in there like it wasn't like all the other waiters and waitresses were you know <laughs> like gq models i mean it was <laughs> it, it was a uh yeah a, a house of derelicts and you know it's so all these people i'm sure are homeless and they're just giving them a job for the day and i do not support it I'll say this, um, you know, I haven't always been too kind to the homeless. I'll admit that is a fault of mine that I have in my life. Never really done a lot of donating. Um, I tend to hoard things. Well, I tend to also just get things that I want. So why would I get rid of them? Um, Like I don't just, like everything I have is like I wanted it when I got it. So why would I ever get rid of this? Which I'm pretty sure is like usually what the first three minutes of uh, the TV show Hoarders is. <laughs> Somebody justifying their hoarding um, until they go in and see, you know, a couple of cat skeletons and jars of piss. But um, yeah. I, uh, where, why would I, why did I bring that up? Hmm. Anyways. I mean, the botulism is 
eating through my brain right now. <laughs> I can like feel it crawling in there right now. So, um, yeah, I have not always been too kind to the homeless. Uh, I mean, I'm not giving homeless people money. Not happening. I mean, do I feel bad for you that you're homeless? Yeah. But also, it depends on what kind of homeless you are. If you're, if you're, oh, I'm a drug addict drunk, and that made me not be able to keep a job, and now I've become homeless, not really, I don't feel sorry for you. Sorry. Alcoholism is not a disease. Drug addiction is not a disease. Um, it is you choosing to do something horrible to yourself. And when horrible consequences happen, well, sorry, not sorry. I definitely had some issues with the old alcoholism. Quit drinking. Now, obviously, tomorrow I could start drinking again. Horrible things would happen to me, probably, I would imagine. And I might end up homeless. And I deserve it. If you are homeless because, which I think is, I mean, I don't know what the percentage would be. But if you're homeless based on having, like, some sort of mental, uh, like a handicap or a disorder, whether it's, like, schizophrenia, um... I mean, you know, like the, the, some sort of like something that you had no control over, which I do believe actually skits like there is a pretty big connection between uh, the old Reagan administration shutting down a lot of mental institutions. Those people getting just released out, nowhere to go. And they have schizophrenia. It's hard. I mean, I can't imagine working a job, hearing voices in your head. I mean, granted, I I feel like I have low grade schizophrenia already. Um, but it's normally just like, I think my conscience telling me that I'm a fat piece of shit, at least, you know, a couple hundred times a day. I don't know if that counts as schizophrenia, but yeah, that's my brain. Um, those homeless people feel completely sorry for, um, like people who just have no chance and it is nothing that they did to themselves. Now, Obviously, like I think a lot of people who are schizophrenic too that are homeless probably end up developing a drug habit because you're fucking homeless and that's got to be kind of depressing. So yeah, you know if you're if getting hammered, you know is gonna help you get through. Hey, but if you were homeless strictly because <laughs> you can't stop, you know, smoking meth or crack or drinking or whatever heroin or whatever the drug is, I do not feel sorry for you. Sorry. Um, my waiter is in that group. <laughs> I mean, this dude doesn't even have his own voice talking to him, let alone multiple. Uh, yeah, he's just an actual drug addict. And, you know, I saw a thing actually, too, speaking of this, that was mind-boggling to me. But that you're not supposed to call homeless people homeless. You're supposed to call them people experiencing homelessness. <laughs> yeah, homeless people are not homeless. <laughs> Despite how, uh, you know, grammar works. Homeless people are not actually homeless. They are just people experiencing homelessness. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Sammy Sosa isn't white. He's just uh, experiencing a lack of rhythm. <laughs> sure. Like, I... Um, and this this is not supposed to be some like you know anti woke tirade or anything, but if you're homeless, you're homeless. That's how that works. You're not a person. Now, if I go camping, then I am a person experiencing homelessness. Because at any point, I can go back to my home. I am not homeless. I am a person with a home who chose to go out into the woods for a weekend or two. Or go out the woods for a day or two. A weekend or two. Jesus. Like, yeah. A camping trip is experiencing homelessness. Being, you know, sleeping on a sidewalk for 15 years. <laughs> you're homeless. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> I think by definition, you are a person without a home. You are not a person experiencing homelessness. Like, oh, I'd like to see what it's like to be homeless for a day. It, yeah, it's not a tourist destination to be like, actually, I'm going to go sleep in, you know, fucking human feces for two nights. <laughs> I I do not get that at all. And, you know, 
if I'm supposed to, I, I, sorry, and you know, I, I probably should feel, oh boy, that would seem like a bit of a Howard Hughes moment there. Um, maybe I should just feel sorry for all homeless people, but also at the same time, it sure doesn't seem like, I mean, the people who should care the most about homeless people are politicians, and boy, do they not seem to give a uh, shit about homeless people at all. They don't seem to be bothered by it one bit. <laughs> and, you know, they're the people who are supposed to take care of it. I'm not supposed to take care of this. What, I go drop a quarter into a damn Salvation Army bucket thing because they make you feel super guilty? Meanwhile, the people ringing the little bells, uh, not exactly like the friendliest bunch anymore. I remember as a kid, it was like people dressed up as Santa that would ring the little Salvation Army bells. Now it is people who... I am almost 100% sure are stealing the money out of these buckets. Um, but, you know, if, if the people in politics don't care about them, and, and look, I've never been elected to anything except damn, uh, I mean, I was elected to uh, yeah, my junior high student council. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've never been elected to any public office except for uh, I was elected treasurer to our junior high student council. And under my watch, inflation rose by about 30%. So, yeah, needless to say, I did not regain my position. Uh, I did not regain my cabinet position with the following administration. Uh, basically, I was the, was it Henry Paulson of, you know, bumfuck junior high, wherever I went. Yeah. So, I couldn't even handle that. Let alone could I ever handle being elected to a real position of, you know, political power. But if I was, I don't know if I would still, you know, I probably wouldn't do much for the homeless shit anyways. There's way too much fun to be had. Uh, you know, I don't know. That's just a, a thing that's been bugging me. And I don't know how much longer I'm going to be alive after eating this Denny's. So I figured I'd just get some shit off my chest before we kick into things. It's, um, you know, it is what it is. I hope I make it out all right. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So with that being said, let's go ahead and move on to uh, the topics for today. And if you feel in a similar way to me, you know, feel free to share. But also, I feel like a lot of people are going to probably... Um, really not enjoy what I just said about homeless people. And that's okay. You don't have to. I imagine 99% of the people who even listen to this have already tuned out by now. Like I say, really, whatever I want. Hmm. Probably won't test it, though. All right. Let's see. What's the first topic? Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. So... You know, to take a little dive into sports news, this fellow right here is a guy named Connor Bedard, uh, who is basically like su supposedly going to be like the next, the next Gretzky, or some people might say Sidney Crosby is. Uh, I am not one of those people. Sidney Crosby to me is the LeBron James of hockey. Um, hold on, so I guess just to digress into this a little bit. Um, for anyone, which I've been hearing, uh, a lot of people who are, you know, hockey fans, as I am, um, the comparison always gets made that Sidney Crosby is better than Gretzky. And you are sadly mistaken. Sidney Crosby is the LeBron James of hockey. People, so, for some reason, constantly get compared to the real greats, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, uh, when in reality, both of them are just whiny little bitches. LeBron and Sidney Crosby. Um, so, just to get that out of the way. Wayne Gretzky is the greatest hockey player of all time. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. Connor Bedard. <laughs> so, that woman next to Connor Bedard is Connor Bedard's mother. Now, the reason that this is getting brought up is because, if you haven't heard, one of the players on the Chicago Blackhawks, a bit older than Connor Bedard, who I believe is like 18 or 19, um... Well, allegedly, that fella slept <laughs> with his teammate, Connor Bedard's mother. 
<laughs> and is now no longer on the Chicago Blackhawks. And let me tell you something. If I was on the Chicago Blackhawks, and I saw, look, Connor Bedard's mom is, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm, I know we're teammates, but boy, are we about to get a little slippery on this ice tonight. And to fire this dude from the team is ridiculous. If if Gordon Bombay can, if Gordon if Gordon Bombay can pork Charlie Conway's mom, now that's a player and a coach. I think that's way more uh, egregious than you know two players. You know a player banging into the player's mom. This is the coach of the team starts uh, porking Charlie Conway's mom. No one cared, and then seemingly just ghosted her to go do the uh, you know go join the minor leagues. Because uh, in D two, if you remember, in D two, there uh, basically is no mention of the fact that uh, Coach Gordon Bombay had, you know, had relations with Charlie Conway's mother, and Charlie didn't seem bothered by this one bit. Charlie thought he was going to get a new dad, um, and he wasn't. Basically, uh, Gordon was just trying to, you know, get a little stank on his hang low. And hey, Charlie, your uh, your mom just happened to be in the line of fire. <laughs> and same for the old Bedard situation. Connor Bedard, sorry, your mom is smoking hot. And yeah, you know, there's a good chance that um, you know she's gonna be getting deked uh, <laughs> by some of your teammates. Uh, so there's one that I I just found to be quite fascinating. All right, let's see. Let's move on to something else. Okay, so White House. That is not what that says. White Castle. <laughs> White Castle is hiring robots as fry cooks and seeing improvements in service and order accuracy. Now, I don't know how bad your um, you know, dining establishment service has to be to where an iPad is making... Um, it has better uh, customer service, but now, uh, full discretion, I have never been to a White Castle. I grew up in the real America, where there are no White Castles. Um, you got Sonic, which is not great. Whataburger, which is even worse. Uh, Wendy's, very good. McDonald's, arguably one of the greatest restaurants on the planet. There's no room for White Castle below the Mason-Dixon line. So I wouldn't know. But I do know that those little burgers look disgusting. And the fact that you can go... What I do know is that I can go to my uh, local Walmart and buy a box of frozen White Castle burgers. So inadvertently, I have... I could basically be running a White House... Uh, a White Castle out of my house because they're using a robot to make their burgers. I would also be using a robot to make my burgers. Chef Mike uh, could whip up a box of White Castle sliders within about four minutes. So this is nothing new. And I, I'll actually say I hope more places do this. The less human interaction I have to have, the better. Now, I love McDonald's, if it isn't abundantly clear by now. I, I may be single-handedly keeping my local McDonald's afloat right now. During COVID, I mean, there was not a single restriction <laughs> at that McDonald's. I remember my, my Taco Bell was putting everything in a bucket, and you had to pick your money out of a bucket, which I don't know how that was cure anything. Uh, that McDonald's did not care. <laughs> I mean, they were just throwing it into your car. They were coughing on you. I mean, you know, you might even get a fry licked on before it gets put into your uh, into your bag. Uh, and it did not deter me one bit. Now, as much as I love McDonald's, boy, would I love it so much more if I did not have to see the... <laughs> Boy, I mean, I know I went on this tirade about Denny's, but that McDonald's, my little local McDonald's, is uh, is not a huge step above. <laughs> so, 
if there could just be, you know, as long as these robots aren't on meth, uh, then yeah, I think I'd be fine with the robots making my McDonald's, serving, bringing me my McDonald's. Yeah, that would be amazing. And probably would make McDonald's cheaper again because the last time I went to McDonald's, boy, did I spend way more money than I ever remember spending. I don't know how... McDonald's used to be, I mean, one of the highlights is that you were going to spend about three bucks and be perfectly uh, taken care of. Now, my order ends up being like $12, which is, I mean, this is ridiculous. Uh, This is not the America that I want to live in. Uh, So, yeah, if putting some, you know, if putting some robots in there could take care of that problem... I think I'd be all for it. And you don't have to worry about somebody with, you know, not the greatest hygiene, uh, you know, dropping fucking boogers and shit into your food. God. Which, I mean, really, there's nothing that a person could do to McDonald's that would make it more disgusting than it really is. But, man, does McDonald's play a real-life magic trick on you. By making you think that that food is good. Because as soon as you're done eating it, your brain gets that little rush of like... Your brain gets that rush of like, oh my god, this food is so fucking amazing. And then about five to ten minutes later, it's like your brain becomes sober. And is like, huh. I think we just put about three quarters of a pound worth of poison into us. (laughs) (laughs) And I am going to make you pay for it by giving you the worst diarrhea you've ever had in your life. And it never fails. Like, I will be constipated and have diarrhea at the same time. I don't know how that's medically possible, but somehow it is. Because every time I eat McDonald's, I feel like I feel like the normally the more I should, the less I feel like I weigh. Like, I feel like I'm, you know, getting rid of stuff. McDonald's somehow is the opposite. I will shit probably 15 times in a day and still feel like I'm gaining weight every time that I make a movement. I don't know how that is a possible. I don't know how that's possible. Somehow it is. But man, do I love McDonald's. Oh boy. I'll probably be eating McDonald's here in about two hours. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can't help it. I mean, it is, it's a drug without a doubt, a drug. Like I crave McDonald's really more than I crave alcohol, which I still obviously, you know, crave alcohol pretty often. I just don't drink, but like those cravings, you know, still kick in, but like McDonald's is a way stronger craving. It's one where I feel like I don't have control of my body anymore or or of my mind. Like, once it gets in my head that McDonald's is real <laughs> and an option that I could have within, you know, really minutes, like there's no way that I could talk myself out of getting it. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but I can't imagine it is. <clears throat> oh, well. I guess we'll find out whenever I'm getting my fucking left foot cut off. All right. So, what did we do? We just did this White Castle shit. So, next one. (laughs) Alright, so Catholic Hospital Group removes crucifixes to stop them being used to attack staff. (laughs) Look, as someone who had to spend a bit of time in 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 and out of a hospital uh, a couple years ago, and it being also a heavily Catholic hospital, I've never been into a Catholic hospital before. Like, actually spent, like, an extended period of time in one. They are terrifying. Every room has a little metal crucifix with a fucking... With Jesus nailed to it right above your bed, which is somehow supposed to be comforting. Uh, And then there's just giant blown-up pictures of nuns from, like, the early 1900s in black and white over all the walls. And there is nothing more terrifying. Nuns in general are terrifying. Hundred-year-old nuns are way more, are even more terrifying. It is mind-boggling to me that that's a thing. 
um, attacking people with crucifixes is hilarious. Uh, but I, the reason why I even say this, because I mean, besides the fact that it's pretty funny, is that I finally watched Exorcist the uh, Exorcist Believers, uh, the new one with um, oh my god, what's his name? Leslie Odom Jr. and whatever the fucker's name is, the chick that I think was on American Idol. Mm. She's in, she's in like the group Sugarland or something. Fuck, Jeanette, Jen, Jeanette. God, my God. Oh, this is going to really bother me. Doesn't matter. Who cares? But then it also has Ellen Burstyn, who I assume died 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, she didn't. She is somehow still alive, which also begs the question, how old is she in the original Exorcist? Because the original Exorcist came out exactly 50 years ago. And in that movie, she looked like she was about 50. Which would make her, uh, you know, if my math is right, a hundred years old. And I don't think she was. So she might have been like twenty-eight years old in that first Exorcist, which is astounding. It is amazing how old people looked back then. Like you can go through and find, I mean, find tons of fucking pictures of these, but where they show um, like actors from a TV show or a movie or whatever, and tell you like how old they were in this picture from that show, you're like, oh my God, like Carol O'Connor from All in the Family was like 38 whenever they started All in the Family or something, or like 41. Like he was like young. Um, the whatever his name from Sanford Son, not Red Fox, but I think he was like a neighbor in Sanford Son. He was like also like 39 or 40 and looked like he was 70. Like there's, I mean, there's tons of them. Where he's like, oh my God, people aged terribly back then like there's pictures of Nolan Ryan he's like 26 and he looks like he's in his 40s so I guess Ellen Burstyn Ellen Burstyn might have been like 28 years old in the first day <laughs> exorcist um, so I'm bringing this up to say it is and I I will say I did not go into this movie with a whole lot of hopes I one of the reasons why I didn't go see it in theaters because I was like oh man there is a good chance this is going to be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And I guess it lived up to my expectations because, oh my God, this movie is so bad. For one, um, the, just all of it is so stupid. The fact that like, and you know, I mean, I know obviously they're trying to like have more representation and there's absolutely no issue with that for any movie. All the people who shit on Little Mermaid for being black are out of their minds. Who cares? If you are... So, like, obviously, I grew up white. <laughs> so, it never really occurred to me that, like, if I... That for everybody else, none of the people they were seeing on TV looked like them. Or, like, in the cartoons. I mean, obviously, there's, like, TV shows that had, you know, families of different races. But, like, if you watch, like, Disney movies, like, none of those people look like you if you're not white. Like, if you're white, they all look like you. They all look like you. And it does it means nothing to you because it's just like, yeah, that's what they look like. But, like, it never really occurred to me that if I grew up black that I would not have... I would probably be feeling something completely different. That, yeah, Ariel's white. She's, uh, you know, uh, Cinderella's white. Sleeping Beauty's white. Snow White's white. Like, they're all white. And, I mean, I'm not speaking on behalf of everyone, but I'm sure that that gives, like, gives you a bit of a complex as a kid. Of, like, damn, nobody looks like me. Like, why don't they make cartoons look like me? And all we got is Princess and the Frog, which, you know, to be honest, is, <laughs> like, probably one of the worst Disney movies. And, which is unfortunate, because it's, like, if I'm not mistaken, probably the first one that is centered around a black character. And it just happens to be one of the worst Disney movies ever made. And that is, that's real sucky. Now, all that to be said, when you make it so, uh, obvious, like what you're doing, then it's hard not to feel like it's almost even worse than just not having it at all. 
And in this Exorcist movie, <laughs> like, obviously, one of the families is white, one of the families is black. And instead of just making it, instead of just making that be part of the movie of like, yeah, you know, why wouldn't they be? Why why would they have to all be white? Like They could be any race in this movie. It, the race it doesn't make a difference in this movie. But instead they have to make it be like, okay, well the white family are going to do their exorcism using Catholicism. And the black family are going to be using basically like this random woman who is doing like voodoo spells. And that's how their exorcism is going to work. And it just like, I don't know if David Gordon Green is just a complete jackass, which I kind of feel like is probably the case. But you don't have to, like, what's it called? Pat- patronizing? You don't have to be patron- patronizing. Patronizing. Is it patronizing or patronizing? Because patron sounds like a good thing. I think it's patronizing. You don't have to be patronizing to people. Like, you can just have representation in a movie and that be your thing. And it, and it work. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, a thing of, like, well, now we also have to have... <laughs> Like, like a woman like crushing up herbs into a pot, and like her literally them in the same room, a chair tied backs to back. White family over here doing Catholic stuff. Black family over here doing, you know, like why? Well, I, I think it's hoodoo is more of like the no voodoo is more of like the actual like spiritual herbology, and I think hoodoo is more of like the evil version. Whatever. Um, but like. You're just making it so, like, it just comes across as being so forced and stupid. You don't have to do that. Like, just have them in the have people in the movie of different races. It doesn't matter. Jesus Christ, Little Mermaid can be black. Who cares? Like, good, good. There should be, like, there should be more of that. That shouldn't be a thing that is being less of because so many people were pissed off about you know. Uh, Little Mermaid being black, or like, what was it in the Cinderella? I mean, you know, like, Jesus Christ. I feel like I'm digging myself a real big hole right now. (laughs) And just remember, there is probably a lot of, I mean, my brain is being eaten from the inside right now by the Denny's, uh, you know, oh my God, things are going to go real downhill for me real soon, I feel like. Oh boy. I'm just saying it's hard for me to explain it, especially because of who I am. Um, but it, when you watch it, it is very obvious that you were trying to just be like that. You didn't need to do this. Like you didn't need to go that you didn't need to take that step above because that step above really just made it so just so stupid. And it didn't have to be that. And that movie, in general, could have actually worked out pretty good. Because I actually think the third Exorcist is really good. The one with George C. Scott and um, shit, Brad Dorff. Like, I actually think that one is very good. Now, the second one is... Oh, might be one of the, that might actually be one of the worst movies ever made. But the third one is amazing. So you can do an Exorcist sequel and it'd be good. Now, it's obviously not even going to come close to the first one, but it could still be a good movie. And they just did not make a good movie with this. It is so bad. It is, it, yeah, it's got to be one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. And there's a scene. Now, I did read that Ellen Burstyn, only reason she agreed to do this is because she was going to be getting way more money than they originally offered her. And she's like, ah, screw it. I'll just give all that to charity, which is pretty awesome. But they also (laughs) like pretty early on in the movie, stab her eyes with a cross and blind her. And it (laughs) it just doesn't make any sense. Why do you do? Why did you do that? There's so many things in this movie. You're like, why is this in this movie? Like, why are you doing this? Like, it just is so dumb. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just trying to, you know, 
I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just trying to say what I'm saying. Oh, boy. All right. When did I do this? Yeah. All right. So I think that'll actually, that'll do it for, uh, <laughs> for the current events. All right. So time for a little bit of the old where that come from. So this one, I'm going to go over a phrase that you've heard a million times, whether you play this game, don't play this game, familiar with the game or not, you've heard this phrase a million times, and you may not have even thought about it, like not really making sense, uh, but you will now, but now you'll actually know where it comes from and why it is said at the end of this game. So, uh, long, 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 long time ago, this game starts getting very popular. I mean, I'm talking about like thousand years ago, thousands of years ago. This game starts getting very popular. And while this game is getting popular, uh, it's getting, you know, played all around the world. So there's influences coming from different parts of the world. Uh, well, in a certain area of the world, Persia specifically, there was a phrase that got implemented into this game. And in Persia, the phrase that got implemented into this game was the phrase Shamat. Shamat, Shah means king, leader. Mat means dead or defeated. So Shamat, the king is dead or the king is defeated. Uh, I mean, the translation kind of varies. But with Shah meaning king, Mat meaning defeated, if you can kind of draw the connection... Shaw becomes, over time, Shaw gets anglicized to mean check and mot, mate. So, over time, Shaw mot gets anglicized into checkmate, and that is why at the end of a game of chess, you say checkmate. So, yeah, hopefully you found that one enjoyable, and time to move on to uh, some old half acid. So, for the old half-ass history today, um, got three good ones. So, one, the first one that we're going to do, actually a little bit related to current events, seeing history and uh, modernity. I think that's a word, maybe, I don't know. Uh, overlapping. So, I mean, I guess when you are, when you live to be 100 years old, you become part of both. And so, the person we're talking about, fellow who just passed away, Henry Kissinger. Now, I have noticed that since Henry Kissinger died, it seems as though pretty much universally all news media sort of coverage has been very uh, favorable to Henry Kissinger, which obviously, yeah, he's dead. That's sad, um, yeah, if you say so. I think there are a lot of people in other parts of the world who uh, <laughs> aren't too sad that Henry Kissinger finally kicked the bucket. The problem is it only took 100 years for it to happen. And I do have a theory that the bigger piece of shit you are, the longer you end up living. It's like that evil keeps you alive. And Henry Kissinger lived to be over a century year old. And seemed to be in pretty seemed to be pretty spry up until the bitter end. So yeah, I guess that shows you how evil this piece is. So, all right, to go into I mean I'm not going to cover everything Henry Kissinger did because it would take probably five hours to go over all of just the <laughs> terrible stuff that Henry Kissinger was responsible for. So I'm going to go over a couple that stand out. So, Henry Kissinger, working, I mean, basically involved in politics for 70 years uh, in some fashion. I mean, Henry Kissinger, born in uh, Germany, ends up in the U.S., go, fights in World War II. That side of his story, pretty decent. There we go. It's when he starts getting heavily involved in politics that Henry Kissinger starts to show what a complete sociopath he really is. 
So Henry Kissinger ends up being Richard Nixon's basically right-hand man. Um, he's the person that you'll see in interviews. Uh, you Mr. President Nixon. Like, talk, Henry Kissinger's a, <laughs> an interesting fellow. So, um, some of the things that Henry Kissinger did during his time with the Nixon administration is he started kind of getting involved in other countries' business so that the leaders of those countries would end up becoming people who would be friendly with us, with the U.S. And one of the things that Henry Kissinger was responsible for occurred in the South American country, Chile. In Chile, the people of Chile had democratically elected the leader, Salvador Allende, who was a socialist. Uh-oh. That makes him <laughs> not too... Uh, yeah. That creates a little bit of a tension between the U.S. and Chile. So Henry Kissinger is like, well... I could solve this problem. We could just get rid of Salvador Allende. Who cares that they elected him? And the people of Chile obviously wanted him as their leader. We'll just have him killed. We'll just we'll just have Salvador Allende overthrown, put in somebody that we like, who will do what we want, and, you know, we'll all live happily ever after. Well, the person that was re the person who ended up being put into control of Chile was a fellow by the name of Augusto Pinochet. Pinochet is one of the most brutal dictators <laughs> ever. Pinochet ends up being responsible for the murder of thousands and thousands of civilians who he saw as being, you know, dissenters of, you know, of the goals of Augusto Pinochet. Henry Kissinger does not care one bit. Basically brushes off these murders as, you know, the price of doing business. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So there's a little taste. Now, let's go to 1975. Indonesia is wanting to invade East Timor. Henry Kissinger okays the invasion from Indonesia to East Timor. Says, yep, let's go ahead and do it. Start the invasion. During this invasion, over 100,000 civilians are killed during this invasion. 100,000 civilians killed during the invasion of East Timor, directly due to the go-ahead by Henry Kissinger. Now, the sweet spot of where Henry Kissinger is just <laughs> a monster of a human is the Vietnam War. Henry Kissinger, during the Vietnam War, is the person, basically is the person, who decides we should start bombing Cambodia. Now, at the time, that was a big no-no. Like, we can, you know, fuck up Vietnam all we want, but we got to leave the Cambodians alone. We cannot be going into Cambodia and screwing around. Henry Kissinger says, eh, well, actually, how about we just blow the place to shit and win Vietnam? Well, so Henry Kissinger okays the bombing of Cambodia. When he does... Over a hundred thousand Vietnamese, or over a hundred thousand civilians are killed. So a hundred thousand civilians dead from the bombings in Cambodia, directly caused by the go-ahead of Henry Kissinger. Now, what ends up happening in Cambodia after that is that all this like complete devastation creates, you know, basically a power vacuum. Well, the person who comes along and takes control of Cambodia is a fellow by the name of Pol Pot. Pol Pot and his group, the Khmer Rouge, end up having basically end up leading one of the largest genocides in world history. Pol Pot and his Khmer Rouge end up killing two million people. That would never have happened had Henry Kissinger just minded his own damn business and stayed out of Cambodia would never have happened. There would be no Pol Pot. There would be no 2 million people killed by the Khmer Rouge. Henry Kissinger is directly responsible for 
2,100,000 people dying in Cambodia, 100,000 people dying in East Timor, and then thousands of people dying in Chile. And on top of that, I mean, there's tons of other places where he also uh, was meddling in and ruining things. Now, just to put a little icing on the cake of, you know, talking about just how much of a massive, you know, dickhead Henry Kissinger was. I want to go ahead and do, this is a quote, these are quotes from Henry Kissinger on just what he thought about the Jewish people. (laughs) This is a direct quote from Henry Kissinger on what he thought of Jews. They are self-serving bastards. Any people who have been persecuted for 2,000 years must be doing something wrong. That is a quote from Henry Kissinger. That is not the liner notes of uh, the new Kanye West album. (laughs) That is a direct quote from Henry Kissinger. Here's another quote from Henry Kissinger. If it were not for the accident of my birth, I would be anti-Semitic. Yeah, Henry Kissinger, the reason that his family leaves Germany, comes to the U.S., Henry Kissinger's Jewish. Henry Kissinger, Jewish, seems to be a bit of an anti-Semite. So yeah, I don't think... Uh, Henry Kissinger should be getting the uh, love that he's been getting. Sorry. Um, You know. Yeah. Well, there's my, uh, there's my take on the old, uh, (laughs) there's my take on old uh, Henry Kissinger. All right. So next one about, this is, this one is about my favorite author of all time. I have a tattoo of this bastard on me. Uh, it is about who I think, yeah, easily one of the greatest writers in history, Edgar Allan Poe. And kind of a sliver of Edgar Allan Poe's life that I don't think most people are aware of. I think most people know, obviously know his stories, maybe know a little bit about him as a person. Um, n- maybe know like the weird way that he died and some of kind of the conspiracies around it. But I don't think a lot of people know about this part of Edgar Allan Poe's life. So, a little backstory. Edgar Poe was born in 1809 in Boston, Massachusetts. Just Edgar Poe. His father ends up abandoning the family. And then not, not long after that, uh, Edgar Poe's mom dies. So, he basically, in all intents and purposes, becomes an orphan. Edgar Poe is then sent to live with a fella by the name of John Allen. In Virginia. So, Edgar Poe becomes Edgar Allan Poe. So, yeah. There's the name, Edgar Allan Poe. He's living in Virginia with his new dad, John Allen. Fast forward about a decade. Edgar Allan Poe, in February of 1826, ends up enrolling in the University of Virginia. This is the seventh year of the University of Virginia. <laughs> yeah, the University of Virginia had only been around for six years whenever Edgar Allan Poe enrolls. He is one of 177 students who enroll in the University of Virginia. So he's a student there for a little bit. Um, you know, month or two go by. Edgar Allan Poe ends up becoming... Edgar Allan Poe starts diving into the world of uh, gambling and hardcore boozing, which um, might be one of the reasons why I'm such a big Edgar Allan Poe fan. We, t- <laughs> we tend to have those two things in common. Um, so Edgar Allan Poe ends up getting into some trouble and has to go visit the, uh, the head of the university. Well, it's not really that surprising that only seven years into a school's history, the head of the university is also the founder of the university. It's only been around seven years. Well, what's kind of crazy. <laughs> so the crazy thing is that the founder of the university of Virginia, is Thomas Jefferson. So <laughs> at one point, Edgar Allan Poe basically gets sent to the principal's office to visit the principal who is former president and writer of the declaration of independence, Thomas Jefferson. And they, uh, I, I mean, I guess have some kind of discussion about Edgar Allan Poe being a bit of a, uh, you know, booze bag and a g- degenerate gambler. That 
you know, goes over. They have their little conversation. So maybe like a month later, Edgar Allan Poe and a few other students actually get invited to go have dinner with Thomas Jefferson in Thomas Jefferson's home of Monticello. So yeah, at one point, Edgar Allan Poe had dinner with Thomas Jefferson in his home, Monticello. Now, this is obviously Edgar Allan Poe before he's a famous writer, but still pretty crazy. Now, fast forward a couple months. On July 4th, (laughs) Thomas Jefferson dies. The same exact day as John Adams. I think actually just a couple hours before John Adams died. Uh, So, yeah, on July 4th, Thomas Jefferson dies. Edgar Allan Poe ends up being one of the guests at Thomas Jefferson's funeral. (laughs) Yeah, crazy. I do not think a lot of people know that story, so hopefully uh, you found that as interesting as I do. All right. Okay. All right. Last one. And who would I be if I didn't end it (laughs) by going through another uh, Steven Seagal story? So, yep, it's that time. Oh, boy. These are getting... I love these so much. <laughs> I, I love talking about how horrible of a person Steven Seagal is. So, without further ado, now we're getting a little bit later into Steven Seagal's life. And if you don't remember, then I feel sorry for you. But, if you don't remember, at one point, Steven Seagal had his own reality show. And it is, to this day, one of the greatest... (laughs) It is one of the greatest programs to ever grace American television. The show is Steven Seagal Lawman. So apparently Steven Seagal (laughs) was a cop in Louisiana at one point. Maybe still is. Who knows? Uh, You know, from what I know about Louisiana, yeah... He's probably halfway to being governor of that shithole. Um, so Steven Seagal, one point, <laughs> Steven Seagal, at one point, is a cop in Louisiana, and of course, anyone with a brain would say, "We need to film this." So they do. Now the show doesn't last too long, which is you know, really just a crime against humanity. But you might be thinking like. I wonder why it ended, uh, and why it ended so abruptly. Now, I'm not saying that this is 100% the reason why, but this definitely played a big part in it. And it is that, at one point, the police department, in which Steven Seagal was working, caught wind of an alleged cockfighting ring happening in, uh, in their town. Now, they decide... To do a raid on this home to find out, you know, what's really going on. See if there's a cockfight. They are almost, they're basically 100% sure that there's illegal cockfighting going on in this house. So they're like, well, we need to raid the house. Well, this is where Steven Seagal comes in. Steven Seagal insists that it wouldn't quite be cinematic enough to just do a normal raid. That instead, they need to (laughs) pull out all the stops and go (laughs) full on tactical raid with a SWAT team, a bomb robot and an actual tank. (laughs) And of course, who's going to drive this tank? Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal proceeds to drive a tank into this man's house. And they do basically actually, kind of a successful raid. I mean, they end up raiding the house, finding out that there actually was a cockfighting ring going on. Steven Seagal's a hero. Well, Steven Seagal is also a very big advocate for animal rights. Not so much human rights, but a big advocate for animal rights. And, uh, you know, affiliated with PETA, all this stuff. So Steven Seagal claims, you know, we were doing this because we want to protect the animals. We want to make sure these animals are safe. What this guy's doing is heinous. Um, you know, he's devastating the lives of these poor, innocent animals, which I agree with. 
Except, Steven Seagal failed to mention that during the raid, he killed 100 of the chickens that were in this guy's house. He killed over 100 animals in this guy's house, including the puppy of the guy's child. <laughs> Steven Seagal's a monster. He's not just a monster to people, he's a monster to animals. No one is safe from the horrible human being that is Steven Seagal. So... Lesson, you know, lesson to be learned, whether you're a human or an animal, stay real clear of Steven Seagal. My God, what a fucking scumbag. All right, so that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you all for watching. I appreciate it. Uh, well, see you next week. <laughs>